1: That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy.
2: You're listening to an iFanboy special edition podcast on The Wolverine. bub. Hey everybody you're listening to a special edition podcast on the wolverine uh my name is paul montgomery and um not the usual suspects on this episode uh joining me on this episode two special guests uh the furrier of the two uh mr brett white co-host of the matt and brett love comics podcast and a contributor to cbr and mtv splash page hey brett
3: hello i like that i'm furry
2: also joining us, uh, my co-host on Fuzzy Typewriter and the co-writer of Sparrow and Crow, the Demoniac of Los Angeles, David Acampo. Hey, Dave.
4: Hey. So, I want to make sure that people know that you're not just scraping the bottom
2: of the barrel, right? Like, we're here because no, you guys are like the sixth or seventh people that I emailed about this. Before. Oh, okay. It's okay. weird because yeah. you know the, so this is so. This is the this is the third or fourth, depending on if you count Lone Ranger, um, comic book movie of summer 2013, and I think a lot of people are a little burnt out. And um, given that this is, you know, the the follow up to uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine from, I believe, 2009. Yeah, um, I think. People are a little wary of this one, and maybe like you know what I've had my fill of the superhero. Mo- I've I've heard a lot of people actually who are tired of like buildings falling down, and yeah. like I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wait it out, and maybe next year I'll I'll get back into the superhero movies, or, or maybe I will wait till Thor or something like that.
3: I would urge those people that this is the one to see because there are no buildings falling. Yeah, down. there's no they're, Spoiler they're, alert.
2: they don't have the scale to <laughs> to quite do that. But um, I thought you guys would be would be a great candidates to talk about this. Uh, Brett is a big. Big, big fan of the mutants. Um, yes. Very tolerant of the of the mutant people. For a good um,
3: five years, they were the only comic books that I read. Yeah, like branching out into the rest of the Marvel universe was a big deal for me.
2: <laughs> and both of you also uh, recently read the the Claremont. It's Claremont and, and Frank Miller, right? Frank Miller, yeah, right. So that's it's and it's. Would you say this movie is loosely based on that stuff, or? Oh yeah,
4: I. Yeah, I mean, they definitely take a lot of liberties, as they should, but uh, uh, it was a four-issue – Chris Claremont wrote it, Frank Miller drew it, and it was a story of of Wolverine in Japan. And that led into a two-part story in Uncanny X-Men after that, uh, which actually uh, had the Silver Samurai and Viper and and these other characters in it. So they actually kind of pull – from both of those uh, storylines,
2: yeah. My my experience with with Wolverine in Japan, and I know that that he has you know a long history of, of going over to Japan and and uh, falling in love with people and then getting in trouble with ninjas, um, is from the the nineties um, X Men cartoon Just, Yoriko! Oh, that was <laughs> the out of the past.
3: Out of the past two parter.
2: I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's so that's my yeah. experience. So let's 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 talk about expectations um, because Ooh. this is. This is a this is a film franchise that I mean the X-Men film franchise really sort of uh jump started the superhero, the comic book movie genre. Yeah. I and would say like
3: Blade. Like Blade is a good enough credit. Like Blade kind of like opened up the door a tad. but X-Men was the you know, the big spectacle summer blockbuster hit that everyone thought was going to be a flop, and then it did not flop.
4: Uh, because I remember, I remember seeing Blade in the theater and going like, "Wow, that was really cool." They did that, and then, but yeah, that could have been a flash in the pan. I think it was X Men. Yeah. Really was like, "Wow, they can take our childhoods and make them good and big and on the screen." Yeah,
3: and X Men also like no more daunting. Like the X Men at the time, that's a daunting task. The fact that one of the first modern era big comic movies was also a team. Like you're yeah. fighting off a lot there, guys, and they, for the most part got it right. Yeah.
2: And and X2 I think for a long time was sort of like the high watermark um yes. for superhero movies and point to that that was that's the great one. Absolutely. And um, then they made a third one. And then they made a third one. They made a third um, one? Question mark. They made a third one, and oh. it was a different director. And then they were let's let's do we're going to do some X Men origins movies, oh no, no. and we're going to spin off the franchise, and we're going to do a Wolverine movie. Oh, it hurts. We're going to do a Magneto movie. I remember. And yep. so I was thinking it was yep. going you know it was going to be like the Holocaust and um, and all that stuff. Um, and then we're going to do maybe like a first class movie. And I think the Magneto and the first class movie sort of wound yeah. up in in one big movie which is x-men first class
3: it's probably after they saw the mess that x-men origins wolverine was they're like let's skip these origin movies yeah. yeah let's just move straight into first class
2: but you uh, know i gotta say i think
4: i don't know how you guys felt about it but i really liked first class i don't i'm yeah. sure I've talked. no
2: x-men first class was was great yeah. so i feel it really like they kind of forward.
4: righted the ship there a bit and uh uh you know that set us back on a good course and so the big question mark was was the wolverine because we had Darren Aronofsky attached to it at first, which
2: sounded right, amazing,
3: yeah. and he's the one that decided to title it "The Wolverine." Yeah, and it was yeah. like, what a yeah.
2: weird choice. And then I believe he said that he didn't want to have to leave his family for a really long yes. time. Yeah, um, which I think is also happening with J.J. J. Abrams and Star Wars now because that's going to be filming mm. in England, anyways. Um, lots of tangents with this, but but uh, yeah, but <laughs> We're uh, getting to the movie. So Darren Aronofsky was a, was an interesting choice, and I was honestly thinking. While watching this movie, what would this have been like if it was Darren Aronofsky? But instead we have James Mangold um, and it's it's important. I think it is important to bring up uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine and X-Men three because it does pull some stuff uh, from that. And it even looks forward to. What are we calling it? X-Men, X-Men First Days Class
3: 2? It's X-Men Days of Future Past.
2: X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. Okay. They all
3: thankfully right. did not burden it with like X-Men Second, Second Class, class. Yeah. <laughs> Days of Future Past. Yeah, Cullens so part one. <laughs> so that's,
2: you know, so all of that stuff, it's still in there. But I I thought that, you know, going in, I had very low expectations. I believe I, I tweeted from the theater at, at the Wolverine, uh, thrilled to death about it. Um, because I, I wanted, I was looking forward to writing a review, but I maybe wasn't necessarily super excited about the movie. Um, just because of the dubious legacy, uh, from those previous movies. And,
3: uh, and also the trailers were kind of hit or miss. Like the trailers were just good enough to get me kind of invested cautiously. Hey ninjas. Uh, That looks great. Oh, like ninjas. It looked like it actually had a story. And I really respected the fact that they were going, they were going for it. Like, No one was whitewashed. Hugh Jackman was the only name actor in, like, he's carrying the movie. There are no other actors of note in this entire movie, except for Famke Jansen. Yeah, that's true. I was was cautiously optimistic, because it seemed like it could be okay.
4: Right, right. And I think I was optimistic, because I I liked that they were focusing on him and focusing on that Japan story, which, to me, felt... I mean, that's one of those touchstone Wolverine stories for me. It's one of the first ones I read, and it was one where I always liked that idea of, uh, you know, uh, for anybody who's ever read that, that, that story really kind of focuses on uh, Wolverine as, Logan as this character who feels like he's maybe more animal than man. Yes. And so he's suddenly in this... Japanese society where honor and ev- is everything and, you know, what you do with yourself means everything and and, and it's him not feeling worthy of being a man among, uh, he feels like an animal among these men and then it's about him kind of coming to terms with that and finding his own sense of honor and everything like that. This movie isn't about that, but it kind of uses the same plot to yeah. tell a different kind of story, which I which I really liked. It's about what a guy does after a bad movie like X-Men 3. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, no, it's, you know, uh, this, this man, Logan had to kill the woman he loves. And so in that way, I thought that this movie was really interesting as it begins, because it is, it has almost this sort of noir feel to it. It's this guy haunted by his past who wants to just remove himself from society. And then he's given a choice and it's sort of, you know, what are you going to do now? And I, and I kind of like where it picks up here. So that was very interesting to me.
2: Yes. And I I like that the, inciting incident is the murder of his neighbor a cg grizzly bear Um, (laughs) which is actually
3: pulled from the comics is it really okay yes Uh, (laughs) and i I was so happy they used that that's the only thing in the entire movie that is pretty much directly pulled from the comics including all the way up to the uh him going to the bar to confront the guy that shot the bear but didn't do a good job of it and getting a beer like a beer mug shoved in his face like that That is directly from the comic
4: (laughs) Oh, that's, that's, cool. that's
2: interesting. I didn't know. He that actually point.
4: fights the bear in the comic, but um, but, you know, it's more because he has to. And then and I always love that because in the book, it is sort of the metaphor of, you know, he's the bear in a way, you know, and, and that that follows through in this movie, as we'll see as we talk about the plot of it towards the end. You know, there's definitely a tie to him and that bear again. Which I really liked in this
2: movie. Yeah, I just fun. I thought that I, th- I thought it was I mean dodgy CG effects aside, I thought that was I thought that <laughs> you was you didn't like the CG bear urinating. <laughs> <laughs> I just I thought it was I don't know I thought it was um, kind oh of man an elegant uh, a little metaphor and and yes. I love their their sort of uh, yeah. the respect for each other um, and it's not just that the that the bear is is murdered it's an, and we're getting into uh, bear murder spoilers here so uh, <laughs> right. ho- hopefully you've seen the film. Um, uh, it's it's not just that the this hunter is, has killed the bear it's that he um was um he, he was didn't do using- it he didn't do it the right yeah. way and it's and it's not just that the bear suffered it's that he poisoned the bear with this poison arrow and then the Kill. bear went on this this you know this spree and and killed everyone else in this hunting party and mm-hmm. so it was just like it, it he's being a bad hunter yes um and and right. getting other people hurt so there's there's a lot of things going on in that and so but then Wolverine comes down and is is going is is ready to to break his vow that he's made to uh Jean Grey that he's not going to kill anymore and uh and luckily um this envoy of a uh, very wealthy Japanese family steps in and she's been looking for Wolverine for I think she said 2 years and uh, this is Yukio and uh, she's gonna take him back to Japan, um, where he will get a bath like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. So great! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is right from Beauty and the Beast. Um, even with there the like the couple, scrub brushes.
3: Yeah, there are only a couple of like comedy moments, and like one of the big problems with X Men Origins Wolverine was all of the like one liners, yeah. groan-inducing yeah. cliches, and like bad jokes and bad like puns. And uh, this movie only has like that bear peas which I guess is kind of a joke, but not really. And then that bath scene. like, and that's it. Like right. you don't get any like poop jokes or like transformers, like hiding on the lawn from Sam Witwicky's parents. Nonsense.
2: <laughs> well, there's, yeah. There, I mean, there's nothing as, as broad as that. I, th- I think, yeah. I think Jackman's, um, even though he's like, you know, grizzled, like he's, he's pretty charming throughout. Jeez. Like he's, you, you, mm. you like this guy and, um, he, you know, he makes light of things. And, um, so, so anyway, so, so he's, I think that I think the smartest thing about this movie is choosing that source material and getting this character who's been consistently strong throughout the franchise, um, no matter what has been around him, and but putting him in a different environment with yeah. completely different characters and only the salient elements from X3. Carry through. Like, we don't have any flashbacks to, you know, the Phoenix stuff. We just know that he had to put her down. He had to kill this woman that he loved because she was hurting people. And that's all you need to know. Exactly. And theoretically, you could go into this movie and just have watched this and, and don't do not watch x3 if you haven't <laughs> right. so, watch this. so theoretically you could so just fine. you could just do this and and it's and and i like that idea yeah it, it is sort of like a like a noir story it is sort of um an out of the past kind of thing because the wolverine has a pretty deep past um he was around during the civil war so right. and this and one we also has
3: don't a, get a montage like x-men Origins wolverine of like Back to back, Wolverine and through the ages, <laughs> fighting in every war. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
2: <I'd, laughs> blocked right, a lot of right. that out. But, but to me, the, 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 the most important relationship here is going back to World War II when uh, Logan was in uh, a prison camp near Nagasaki, and he was there during the bombing of Nagasaki. And I like that it just, it just starts with this prison camp being um, evacuated and we have this this one guard who's thinking about wait about wait. There's that crazy guy we have in the hole in the ground. Yeah, I got to make sure yeah. he's okay. The I kind of want to see
3: it. a movie about how he got in that hole.
2: Like, I, like, I like the mystery. I like yeah, I know, yeah. Like, but
3: I, I want to see that like comic book prequel or something. Just imagining Feral Wolverine fighting a bunch of Japanese World War II soldiers and then be like, just shove him in a hole. Just, just shove him in, him in a hole. hole. We don't know
2: what else to do with him. Just shove him down there, and then they're gonna and then they're gonna bomb Nagasaki. What a it's just like the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, and so we have this guy, Yoshida, um, is has this opportunity to uh, commit seppuku and, and kill himself. And, but he's not ready. He can't do it. The other guys, his superiors, the, some of the older guys were able to do it yeah. and he just can't do it. Wolverine recognizes that, grabs the guy and says, we got to run. And, but we're not going to be able to outrun this bomb. We've got to duck and cover. Tosses him down into the hole, shields him, um, and it's it's a it's a great way to show the bond between these characters. And if this happened to you, if you were Ishida, this would stay with you for your entire life yeah. mm-hmm. and would entirely shape the trajectory of your life and the choices you make, um, and the things that you're obsessed with. Um, but also, it's just a great showcase for Wolverine's powers.
3: Yeah, this was the moment where I was like, Oh, they're not gonna pull punches. Like I was like, this could be a real movie. When when uh Yeshida looks up and you'd see Wolverine burnt up Wolverine, mm-hmm. like skinless, hairless. And I was like, this movie is PG thirteen, but it's pushing it. Like that was dark right. and edgy and cool, dramatic.
2: I thought you know it was just start. I thought it was just enough. Mm-hmm. Um uh because I've also I've also heard people say that this movie's boring. Um Really? I don't. I don't entirely understand that, and and mm. and it, uh, we've also seen some comments that it it's uh, it, it lacks gore. It needs it needs some more mm. blood, given some of the themes that are no. that are going on, and and like maybe There's, when those claws pop when he's lost his healing factor, there should be some blood there.
3: There is. There is blood on his claws. I noticed it during the movie. I, remember, I noticed it in
4: one place, but I was waiting for more of that. That's my one thing that I'll agree with is in what you just said is that. I do remember there was another storyline, and I feel like maybe if there was an element pulled from another storyline, and Brett probably knows this one, there was a story where Wolverine, I think it was like Wolverine and Rogue were in Genosha. The, the, yeah. Where they don 't have a heat they don 't have their their powers are sort of neutralized for whatever reason, yep and that 's a point that I specifically remember you know as a teenager reading this, and he he was popping his claws, but the wounds around them wouldn 't heal up because he didn 't have a healing factor, and I wanted to see like that he 'd be losing a lot of blood from you know every time he pops his claws there'd be these wounds, and they kind of they showed bullet wounds and all sorts of other things, but they kind of resisted that a bit. I, I noticed, and I kind of wanted—that was one thing I kind of
2: wanted. I think it, it popped up on on the news this week that um, when this is going to be coming out on on Blu-ray, um, it's gonna there's gonna be a, like an unrated edition. Um, oh, nice! And it'll probably yeah. be uh, much gnarlier than than this. But mm, okay. um, but I thought I thought it was the thing is I thought there were some great action set pieces throughout, and I wasn't bored. And but still, it's not you know this isn't. You know it's not the transporter you know it's not crank um
3: well, and it's also not like man of steel or avengers like my mom asked me was it as good as avengers and i had to say like it is really good in a totally different way like you're not going to see the big action spectacle of a man of steel in wolverine which i kind of respect because yeah. superhero movies have been shoving down our throats these giant giant like dark knight rises level Fight scenes, which are entertaining, but it was so pleasant to watch a movie like this that was just a story.
2: <laughs> I, well, I it, it was I'd... much
4: more in line with like an like a, an action hero movie, like a like a Die Hard or a, a Rambo, or um, you know, e- or even like a, maybe more like a Clint Eastwood film, or, or even, you know, something like that, where it is about this guy who's got this sort of tortured past, and he and he's ter- sort of trying to figure out, you know his reason for living his reason for continuing on. He's my favorite line in the whole movie that sort of, to me sums up the movie is when uh, I think it's the, I think it's this Yoshida guy says it at one point he says, or maybe another character says it about him and re, and it's related to him, but he says, you're, you, you'll live forever with no reason to live, or you're destined to live forever with no reason to live, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: this is, this is a guy who, has a death wish i mean he's it's the classic thing where he's immortal so even if he wanted to commit suicide he can't um right. and also he can't he can't even start over and settle down because it's that other thing like you know with like a you know a vampire i'm going to i'm going to outlive you you know yeah even if even if we love each other i'm going to outlive you i'm going to outlive any any kids that we have so it's it's just you know this this tragic existence and I like that mm-hmm. idea of Wolverine as a Ronin and they yep. do bring up yeah. that term and I think that's that's the key um, and you have you have Logan who is desperate sort of to to die um, and just to be put out of his misery so he doesn't have to live with his guilt of of having murdered the woman that he loves um, and then you have Yoshida on the other hand who is at the end of his natural life and he he wasn't ready to die at Nagasaki and he isn't ready to die now, even though he's ancient. He's decrepit. Yeah. He's been doing everything. He's got that, that crazy bed that he's on and like, <laughs> he's, he's got a really cool spending...
3: Spencer's gifts bed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's got all the, all the Sky Mall stuff and, and yeah. he does not want to die. He's, he's doing everything he can to, to live as long as he can. And now you there, if they've crossed paths for the second time and he's like, I'm I can take from you what you don't want so I can have what I want yeah. um, to continue on because my family is in ruins and they're not ready to take up this Yoshida name. And they say that he's the most powerful person in not just Japan, but in Asia, um, Yeah, which makes him pretty damn powerful. And uh, I like when when they arrive in Japan Wolverine's looking around at all the billboards and there's all these Yoshida brand phones and stuff. And right. like, he's like, he's Sony, you know, like yeah. he's, he, he owns everything. And um, all of this stuff, this, this whole empire is probably just an offshoot of his trying to gain immortality. Just, just technology that he stumbled on in that. He, it's
3: like, he knows it exists. Like if you saw a guy do what Wolverine did in the after survive an atomic bomb, <laughs> that would definitely put a bug in your ear of like, immortal is possible. He has right. it. Like, I can find it. I can do it too. Like, that's, I think all the motives that they give everyone in this movie except for Viper yeah, uh, are really well done. Like, even Shingen, who is Mariko's father and Yoshida's son, even gets a really good motive for like a half second of like, Yoshida's grandpa Yoshida's, uh desire to be immortal has ruined the company. He has spent mm-hmm, so much money, mm-hmm. and Shingen was the one who kept it running and kept all that hidden from his dad. So you kind of get like, oh, if he he almost like sacrificed his life to keep this family and company together. And when he gets passed over, he gets super angry. Like, I like that little bit of justification where he wasn't that much of a cardboard cutout villain. And mm-hmm, Viper is very just true. hired. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's, I, I think, at, you know, at the core of this movie, it's I think what, what separates it from Wolverine Origins and, and especially from X3 is that it's, it's really zeroed in on character and it just happens to have great action sequences. Yes. Character comes first. It's and the it Brian
3: Singer model that he always said of like, yeah. my movies are dramas with action in them. That's what he always said about the first two X-Men movies. And this feels way more in line with those two.
4: That's very
2: true. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true.
4: I also, there's some things that surprised me. I liked in, in what you're talking about. So uh, Yoshida sends Yukio to bring uh, Logan to Japan, where he basically says what, what you said, Paul, that, uh, you know, he wants to take, uh, or he thinks he figured out a way that he can take Wolverine's gift and give it to himself to help him or, or to his family. And he wants yeah. to take it from him. And he's sort of, he's sort of saying, like, you want to die, right? I mean, so I can give you that, I can, you know.
1: And, uh, Are you what done I kinda, with this? Are you done yeah. with this?
4: Can I have some? Are you done? <laughs> what I like is I was nervous that Wolverine was going to be like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds good. I want to die." And and I thought, I- I'm not sure it's so clear cut with somebody. I'm not I'm not so sure that a Logan in this point really understands what he wants. It was really going like, "Boy, I just want to die." So I kind of like that he says no you don't want what i've got like yeah. he understand what i do think he understands is that this is a curse and he's like i can't give this to anybody else and, or, and you know but there's maybe an inkling there of maybe he's not quite ready to let go which i like i mean these these are the sort yeah. of complications of character that uh that, that make that keep them from being those cardboard cutouts uh and, and, you know and then quickly thereafter uh, uh his immortality is taken from him uh, which I, that was i i I guess, and so I guess that's the, maybe the main thrust of this movie. Then is that now Wolverine is in Japan, and he has had his wolf, his healing power taken from him. But they don't kind of say that right away; it happens slowly. Yeah. What did you guys think about that? The way they sort of slowly reveal that things aren't quite right.
2: I think, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a, it's a just sort of a brilliant choice that you have a dramatic problem in that your character is immortal. Um, <laughs> take that away from him and see what's left over and you get a guy who still sort of behaves he's st- he's still running towards bullets yes right um, because that's all he knows it's not like he gained immortality you know at at, at some point in his life he's always had that healing factor.
4: his whole fighting style is kind of probably based on the fact that Throwing he can just take balls. a lot of hits yeah. yeah the fastball
2: specials i mean it's it's all about the fact that he can walk away from anything and yeah. yeah now he's getting hit with bullets and i like that it's not just like one bullet takes him out he can still take a bullet and this healing factor is sort of it's going away yeah, gradually it,
3: it played to me like it was slowly going away yeah, yeah. um i also I mean i think that it also says something about i mean to get into like masculinity versus femininity and stuff i think that wolverine is definitely one of the most masculine heroes and i like that this movie posits that like wolverine can be weak like he is weak and uh like giving up and like asking for help and needing help and things are usually not masculine but like wolverine has to get saved by women a bunch in this movie but it is still played it's not played as a bad thing whereas i think in like other movies it would have been undercut or, I don't know, treated as a weakness. But I like that Wolverine, you, you're still seeing a very masculine hero in a, in a compromised state. And it is all done so delicately and so well that you're never once like, oh, Wolverine's a pussy now. No, like yeah, that. I think he's I think
2: <laughs> I think that he's he's vulnerable and realistic about it. Um, he doesn't put up much of a fight when Yukio suggests I'm your bodyguard. Um, yeah. whereas another, <laughs> another point. hero might be like, oh, she's just, she's just being scrappy and that that's funny. And, and really I'm going to be protecting her. Um, he just, he, he kind of rolls with it and he, 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 he comes to understand I'm in trouble here. I yeah. I just got messed up. Um,
3: and the movie does a really good thing of actually having Yukio follow through on that. Like, it isn't like, I'm going to be your bodyguard. And then she gets taken out immediately and it's a joke. It's she's going to be his bodyguard and we've already seen her be incredibly capable. And then when Wolverine is doing the Prometheus self-surgery on himself, (laughs) she then again saves she saves him.
4: Yeah. She distracts him. She buys him the time he needs. Yeah. And it's great. Like so
3: at the end when she's like, I'm gonna be your bodyguard, it's like, yeah, she is. She is a really good partner to have
2: that's it's a it's a great relationship and i mean one of the earliest comics that i i read that i sort of inherited from my older cousins was a, it was a wolverine issue with with jubilee in it and they're just they're a great pair yeah. and i think there've been i mean kitty has been in the film franchise jubilee has been in it to a certain extent and rogue and so they've had sort of these mentor relationships with wolverine i think this is the strongest uh most successful use of that where um clearly they can be a dynamic duo
3: yeah and i think also with with rogue in the movies with rogue like rogue needed something from wolverine like she needed protection whereas with yukio i don't get it as a sidekick i really feel like they are on equal ground like for the first time wolverine has a you know a female relationship where like she's got his back unquestionably which is really good it's really cool
4: Yeah, it definitely feels like a partnership, especially by the end of the movie, which we'll, you know, I don't want to get to yet. But, you know, I mean, it it, it definitely follows through with that. So I completely agree with you guys on this.
2: So I think one of the one of the things that people were really excited about with this movie when the trailers were coming out, there's going to be a lot of ninjas. Um, How did you how did you so so obviously we like a lot of the character stuff we like a lot of the relationships a lot of the dynamics. Um, How did you feel about the the super heroics when especially when this is a movie where our main character our one central mutant is going to be rid of his powers essentially. Um, Does this feel like a traditional comic book movie. If not what's what's different about it? Is it just that he doesn't have his powers.
4: Oh, I think they, they, they use it to great effect in that his powers are fading, like you guys said. So you start with an action sequence where uh, Mariko, who Wolverine is is interested in. Um, I don't want to come back to that when we talk about Mariko, if we have time. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, that that was an interesting one where he, he realizes that something's wrong. She's about to be married. Or no, I'm sorry. It's her grandfather's funeral, right? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. apparently passed away. They're at this funeral. And and Logan figures out that something's wrong. These Buddhist monks have uh, Yakuza tattoos, yeah, yeah, tattoos under them. And so it, it explodes into this big fight scene, uh, and a chase scene, but it, it's interspersed with these, like every time Wolverine gets shot, they sort of do this, uh, hazy sort of slow-mo moment where he sort of, uh, you know, you realize that the bullets are having an effect on him that they haven't had enough.
2: It's sort of like a punch drunk kind of thing. Yeah. yeah.
4: It, does. it has that feeling. Really, in, really innovative. Really cool he keeps going and this long sequence even leads to a fight on a bullet train on top <laughs> of a bullet train, which was awesome. That was a
2: really good scene. They, how many times have you seen a fight on top of a train? And it's yeah. usually in like a Western where it's this sort of slow moving train. And then, a, right. other, you know, then Skyfall had one, which is a little bit faster because it's a modern train. Then you get to Japan, you got bullet trains. They move so, really fast.
4: Exactly. And so you, you asked about, you know, like uh, uh how this holds up as a superhero movie. Well, they, it kind of blends the, the, between like an action or like a Western, like you said, actually, you know, he is like a Western hero in many ways in this. Uh, but they, they, you know, use the, uh, the fact that he still is a guy that's got claws and, you know, to, to sort of up the action to this insane bullet train action sequence where he's using his claws and, and the Yakuza guy is using the knives to like plunge them into the top of the train to to hold still so they don't get blown away. But then they, it's almost like this video game sequence where you have to jump at the right moment above these signs and it will immediately put you much further back on the train, right? You can imagine stretching forward. So you've got to get back down before the train ends and get your claws back in. And and so you have this sort of rules in this fight where, you know, if you've got a guy behind you, you have to turn around, you have to let go. Fly back, plunge your claws in, you know, and, and it it really was effective and fun, but it didn't break not, any of its rules.
3: I'm trying to like picture now what that fight is like if it's, if you remove the bullet train from the equation, and it's you two, it's just two guys lying on their bellies, like swatting <laughs> right. at each other. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm like, I've never seen an action scene like that before.
2: <laughs> it was it was it was you know exhilarating. I mean, it moves so quickly, and and there's there's points where like. The 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 yakuza guy he's he's gonna fly away like but then he right. manages to catch that knife in you know one more time and then you get the you get the peek in looking through the the sunroof at at Mariko just oh, sitting there awesome. listening to music. Um, for so for some nice dissonance. um, yeah. And then you, you so you get away from that. And I think there's I think there's some great comedy in this movie, like especially when you get to the uh, to to the uh, hotel. Oh, that this, was the sleazy kind of theme hotel. <laughs> and they and I've been mentioning <laughs> on Twitter that they that they did sort of a blue Valentine homage. And, and by that, I mean, they use that that. Mission to Mars room. Oh, um, there's the, it's it's I think it's called the future room in Blue Valentine, but it's basically the same idea that it's it's this space theme room um, for for hookups basically, and and so Wolverine's gonna be in there, and uh, and it just and then to and then to pass out on the balcony very serious he's he's bleeding out basically yeah. mariko saves him by finding a, a veterinarian to to take <laughs> a care of him student. animal man theme it's and... yeah it's playing with that and so to wake yeah. up and the, and it's not just like funny because he's waking up and there's goats you know over the side like what the hell happened <laughs> so, it's like yeah. the, you know like a hangover kind of moment but it's it it absolutely it plays into that whole theme of he's this beast. And um, that also comes into play when they get to her sort of ancestral home um, at out in, in rural Japan at, near Nagasaki again. And um, they make love and they, and when they wake up um, after he's had some, some bad Jean gray dreams, um, she talks to him this whole speech about being fascinated by the, the clawed animal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which her
4: her grandfather has told her as sort of almost like a myth, which I loved. It was like he told me about this animal that lived in the bottom of the well, you know, which which I thought was just this fantastic way to tell his experience of, you know, World War Two, the Nagasaki stuff, uh, you know, but kind of show the impact that you guys talked about earlier, how it just shapes your whole life. Uh, yeah. But he tells it to his granddaughter as this sort of fairy tale story, which is lo- thought yeah, was I utterly fascinating.
2: To her, this was, this was well before she was born, and so it is like a myth. For him, it was a bad vacation. You know, like, right, was, right. oh, man, that, that one time in Japan where I ended up in the bottom of the well and they dropped an atomic <laughs> bomb on us, that sucked. Um, so I, 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 love the, I love the distance.
4: What did you guys think about the character of Mariko. Since
3: i i her. loved her uh this is this is one of the areas where i feel like the movie actually somehow manages to improve upon the, the source material um because i feel like mariko in the comics was always very one note she was just wolverine's yeah. girlfriend and then she dies and he's sad about it whereas in this it's almost like Mangold and i can't i don't know who wrote it uh wish i did because kudos to them for realizing well she's gonna have to be a damsel in distress that's mm-hmm. kind of her thing so but they did the great choice of she was a damsel in distress because of her own heritage and not anything to do with, to do with Wolverine every time she was kidnapped it was not to make Wolverine mad it was because they wanted her which I right, think was a smart her. choice and it's, then also uh, the,
2: it's Christopher Macquarie Mark Baumbach and Scott Frank
3: by the way great great work guys uh, and then I also <laughs> love the choice to just slyly say that yeah I was a knife I was a knife champion when I was a teenager So <laughs> that to so like, come to play they, folks <laughs> yeah, they give her a reason that, yeah, she's gonna get captured, but she's gonna take out one or two Yakuza every single time, which was great. Just imagine, like, an Iron Man Three, if when Guy Pierce kidnaps Pepper Potts, if she had at least punched him in the face once or twice. Like that, right. I don't know, like to me that that eases over the damsel in distress nature of that. If yeah, the I woman fights back and isn't efficient. I,
2: I think it. it's I think it's a feat that she could be easily defined by all these different relationships. She's in a love rhombus basically with Wolverine, Harada, yeah. and yeah, the, the politician guy. And then and then her father and her grandfather are also sort of using her as this 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 pawn um, in in this this whole corporate thing. And so there's 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 all these men in her life. Um, but then I agree with you. You've written about this, Brett. That the the more interesting relationship is is with her and, and Yukio, who's her yes. surrogate sister. Um, this sort of like the, this pauper that they brought in, who was who was digging through the garbage for food, um, orphans and 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 brought in and and now. It's a, just such an interesting relationship that she doesn't look upon her, you know, haughtily or anything. Um, and, and
4: all the others do. And her all father the others does. do. But 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 you know, she does not. Which and is it's a, and a it's a nice Mariko
2: testament. who decides to go away from this the corporate center and and where all her family are to this this home that that uh, it was was it the grandfather's home before. Yeah, before, I, mean, I, the I the forget how it was so, yeah. introduced, but but she's she's basically going back to the old family home out in the country and she clearly ha- still has relationships with all these villagers and, you know, like when, when they, they come to her when this tree mm-hmm. has fallen into the road and all those roots are really important to her. And th- I think that actually says so much about the character because she's been raised in a way that is ushering her away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has to make the conscious decision to, to go back to that. So I I think she's a a really strong, really interesting character. Yeah,
4: I will admit that I got a little worried at first. The way it's introduced, um, you know, uh, Yukio, who's already we've seen that she's a badass. She takes Logan to, uh, um, you know, Japan to see the father. And and that's when he first sees Mariko. And she's sort of I think she's dressed in white. And so she's got this very virginal quality, and she seems yeah. like the delicate flower. And yes. and immediately Logan is looking at her with like one eye raised, and I'm like, oh no, because this is a tough thing in films is to have the guy just fall instantly in love with the the damsel. And I'm going like, man, Yukio's a badass, you know. But you just it's like I feel like suddenly like she's the ugly sister, and you're like, oh, but her, I like her, and I'm like, this could this could go poorly. But to the Testament, they did treat it more like one of those movies where two people are thrown into a situation together. And then they they slowly uh, kind of backtracked and figured out, you know, their sort of attraction to each other in that I do believe that Mariko would be attracted to Logan yeah. uh, for his role. And I do believe that Logan would be attracted to Mariko, not just because she's a sort of virginal maiden and beautiful, but because she's actually a very interesting, um, you know, person. She's got a lot of burdens that she carries and she does prove herself to be strong when she's sort of saying like, you know, I'm going to go here you do whatever, you know, and, and, and I do think she makes some active choices that save her from that. Um, and I do also really like the, the relationship between her and Yukio. It, it works really nicely in this and, and to Brett's point, that's way more characterization than either of those characters ever got in the uh, 80s X-Men stuff that I read because they're both sort of slightly one note characters and they're much well, more uh, intriguing yeah. here.
3: I mean, I love Yukio in the comics. Um, I mean, Yukio is who makes Storm get a mohawk, so I'm always going yeah. to love her for that. Yeah. But also, oh, me too. Trust Yukio me. Yukio is burdened in the... I think Yukio is a great character in the original Miller Claremont series, but she is burdened with... She loves Wolverine. Like, she's like, you're my soulmate. And then she pursues him aggressively which I think turns the, uh, turns the trip on its head a little bit that the woman is aggressively pursuing the male. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But this is... movie, this movie removes that. Like I was waiting yeah. for Yukio to fall in love with Wolverine or I was waiting for her to do things because of Wolverine, but yeah. she goes to save Wolverine because they're equals. And sh- the moment, the turning moment for Yukio is Shingen saying, Mariko is done with you. You're just a toy. Yeah. And that drives her to be like, no, like she's my friend. I'm going to stand by her. Like, I love yeah. that they took I all like of the all of the like iffy things from Claremont's stuff, who Claremont is a pretty choice writer when it comes to feminism and comic books. I like that they yeah. even took the problematic stuff out of his stuff and made this movie even better.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: That's true. Right. I guess what I was thinking about with that with that original story is that it's very it's it's a much tighter story and so yukio's role in that initial four issue wolverine miniseries from the 80s is basically yukio is working for shingen but she falls in love with um wolverine and there there's not there's no other dimensions to that it's just well i work for this guy but i'm in love with this guy but this guy's in love with that other guy or you know but this guy's in love with that other woman uh you know (laughs) it's so it's just it's it's a much tighter um uh uh love triangle, I guess. And, and it's less forgiving. This one just adds this little complication and nuance. And so I actually, I think it's smart that they removed that and, and, and altered it. And so, yeah, I actually really liked both of those characters. And Marco was the one I was worried about at first. And then she sort of proved herself over the course of the movie. Uh, so the, the filmmakers kind of proved her to me, you know, like smartly with just good character choices.
2: Now, this is an interesting film in that coming out of it, I wished that I could Give a rating to the first two acts, and then another rating to the third <laughs> act. Um, I don't want to say it's schizophrenic, but I I heard someone des- describe it that it was like a four issue miniseries where there was a whole new creative team came on for the fourth issue and completely forgot everything that was built by the uh, the creative team the first three. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily that it ends poorly because the very end is is okay. And I'm and I'm talking even before the. the Mid credit sequence, um, which oh, we yeah. should probably talk about, but um, that final boss battle—and that's the best way to describe it—I um, I think. I think the rest of the movie deserved um, something a little bit more nuanced, um, because that it just—I think the, the the greatest sin for for that final boss battle and and Viper and the Silver Samurai is that it's familiar. Um, we've seen it many, many times Yeah, it's people clinging from ledges. There's, you know, it's a, it's a tiered, you know, arena. Um, it's the, it's, you know, it's the game of death pagoda. Um, and you know, there's, there's levels to it and people falling and stuff and there's, you know, a big robot and, um, Viper is a problem. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't, I mean, Viper is just not a, a super compelling villain. I think had they not uh, used Lady Deathstrike previously. This might have been a good place. Oh,
3: yeah. For
2: for her, um, Viper's just not that. She's a henchman, but because the identity of the Silver Samurai, though it's telegraphed early on, I did
4: not see it coming.
2: You didn't see it coming, like no, until wait, okay. like his oh, head came I out I guess I should
3: have. Now, looking back, I definitely should have. But I was I, guys, I was yeah. super engrossed. The, I was so... yeah,
4: and, and wait, wait, let me, let me, let me back okay. up, Brett. Okay, I did not see it coming, and. <laughs> The third act also did something else that I did not see coming, oh, and geez. I was super impressed. And so yeah. I can't, I can't totally denounce the third act because okay, well, well let's. Talk can about I just it. say this? They chopped off Wolverine's claws. Yeah,
2: that was nuts. <laughs> yeah, it was because in one, my head, and I was like, "How well? How do they undo that?" And then yeah, they do That's
4: why I thought I was like, "Oh, that was my big oh shit moment in this movie because I did yeah. not expect that." <laughs>
3: I feel like Viper probably could have burst into song and I wouldn't have noticed that happen because my <laughs> mind would have still been like what did they just do?
2: <laughs> See, he's, the cool- he's so he doesn't he no longer has his that, that's important to note. He doesn't have his adamantium claws anymore. They're bone claws.
4: Yeah. Right. And they they've done stuff like that in the comics only in the sense that like I think Magneto sucked out yeah. his adamantium at one point yeah. so he was just yeah, yeah, just back to bone claws and bone and just regular bones inside him. But, it, but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen someone chop off the metal claws in a comic book. So that was like, to me, that was just brand new. Like, a lot of, where a lot of stuff like it was kind of familiar. Um, um, you know, this was a big part in the Act 3, which I'm like, oh no, giant samurai robot, oh. And then he chopped his claws off! Yeah, that <laughs> was,
2: was like, nuts. Wow! <laughs> okay, well that's that's cool. I d I, I don't I don't entirely understand how drilling into his knuckles where the claws came from. Well,
3: getting the marrow. Yeah, get the marrow. I feel like so they were like a... sucking out his marrow. Which would be like Pure genetic, maybe to get his hailing factor. Guys, yeah, I don't know. It's
4: it's dubious, but but I do like the idea. If it is if it for some reason has to be the marrow, then that's the only way you can get Wolverine's marrow. You gotta open up the bones, right? And they're covered in metal. So I kind of like that as Yeah, a it's just you
2: know, I think I think a lot of it is just the visual. There it gets to, the, the movie actually gets to this point where when he gets to the the village around where that pagoda is, yeah. um yeah. in the in the snow, that it just really looks like a set. Like it just, the movie really suddenly looked much less expensive. (laughs) when they got to that point and that that's, that's nitpicking because the, the action was good and that, you know, the whole ninjas with arrow sequence was pretty cool. I, yeah. And, and that, and
4: that ties back to the bear. He shoots him with a poison arrow, um, oh, yeah, which he, is something I noticed that in rereading the Claremont uh, thing is that's how Claremont kind of dealt with Wolverine's healing factor a lot was that he, everything would be poisoned. He'd get poisoned constantly so that he yeah. could be a little <laughs> sluggish
1: yeah. and slow to heal. You know, I'm not the kind <laughs> of guy
2: who would yell out something in the movie theater, although the movie theater had to go to see this. There was a lot of people like that. Um, I would, I, wa- I wanted to be like, oh no, kryptonite arrow, because it's like it was green, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so and it's the same effect really. So, um, so, so yeah. So we get. To, I think Viper is the is the biggest problem for me. Is this? She's like uh... she's a she's like a, I don't know like a.
4: Well, she's that sort of one-note scenery chewing villain. I didn't think she was a great enough actress to really make it that sort of level where uh, you can have sort of a one-note villain. But if they're really just great on screen, you don't mind as much. Like, you, I don't
2: like know. Um, the the guy in Iron Man Three was really the, uh, the Mandarin right here, guy sir. um the, the no uh,
3: oh yeah the uh, the guy Eric Savin the yeah
2: the 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 guy from the extremist um, guy. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the extremist guy. He
3: was really good. Um,
2: he was really was, interesting, and just like he had like th- yeah. this great electricity, and, the, and but then, um, even just the costume for Viper was like, I out of, it was out of you know the first X Men movie. Like, Maybe, I've drank lame. a lot of
3: the X Men X Men Kool Aid. Okay, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm fine with Viper. <laughs> She's the only thing I think that um the bullshit. Oh, geez, can I even say that on this. Yes, podcast? you can. Um, uh, thing with me is the you could take away literally every single one of her Viper powers and it would have not changed her character at all. Like she did not need to have all of those over the top. Like that felt very much like Fox being like, there's only one mutant in this movie. Well, got to add more. Got to sell right, toys. Right. <laughs>
2: because um, yeah, because, um, you know, Yuki is a mutant as well. And she has sort of this, this, uh, a death pre- precognition kind of thing, but that's not a visual at all. Um, and I, way, I
3: actually I like loved, that.
4: I like that. They don't use the word mutant Almost at all in this movie. I think they use yeah. they drop it maybe two times, uh, oh. but a lot of it's like you're you're different. You're like that, you know. And I really like that because it it, it, it for me kind of kept it away from the other X Men movies and said no, this is just you know this guy in Japan. And yes, there are people that are different, but it's not a big thing like it was in the other movie. It's not this big, uh, a world shattering event. Or you and there's know, not like eighty that. of Just a small quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's just a small quiet story where yes, there are those among us who are different. While
2: we're while we're on the topic of uh, Yukio's precognition, um, that's that's how they telegraph it, um, because she says, I didn't foresee him dying. Oh, Uh, she she says it once. And then I remembered it later. I was like, I wonder, I was like, that's probably what they're doing. But then, like, later on, she kept underlining it, She's saying, I was wrong. I was wrong about Yoshida. He died, even though I didn't foresee it. And
3: And he also says like he's been stockpiling adamantium, and then she finds all those like silver samurai blueprints right next to his hospital bed. Well, that's
2: late (laughs) enough in the game that it's that that was okay.
3: Um, Well, I should have, I should have, Paul, I should have put it together. (laughs) So, so
2: you didn't realize it until. I the was literally had watching
3: the silver samurai move and being like, "Is he remote controlled? <laughs> right. Who is?" Because
2: I, I was wondering, I was like, "What do people think that that is? Like, is he a robot?" Or I totally but thought it was they, a robot. They had
4: the fake <laughs> out. <laughs> I did it. I, I I totally bought it. <laughs>
2: because I mean, he's was... I mean, he's just moving kind of mechanically, and he's not yeah. you know tall. Harada
3: is supposed to be the silver samurai. Is the fake out? Right. Yeah. Like, the, the silver samurai the is, is Kanuchio Harada. So I was waiting for Harada to get into that samurai outfit just because Me I too. know those characters. So that's so I guess maybe I No, nah, he's just
2: Japanese hawkeye, that's all, That
3: you know. Yeah. He's the arrow guy.
4: <laughs> Which was awesome. Okay, but so it's like- you know,
2: and I and I'm not and I'm not saying I'm so clever I figured it out. I'm just saying it's like, like that are. that's what they that's what they were I'll doing with ever. you know, I was wrong. I I didn't foresee his death. And I was like and but when I realized I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Um that's that's a neat idea." Um and you know, and then it gets to be it's it's it becomes that that over-the-top bad guy who, like, sucks up all the power, but then yeah. he takes too much of it, you know, and then and it's, you know, hubris is, is, is his downfall. And,
4: uh, but also, and you're like not Viper, wrong that that is familiar. We've seen that yeah. so many times. But for yeah. me, I was still going like, but they chopped off his claws! That was nuts. is <laughs> yeah, also
3: defined in, like, she's Madame
4: Hydra, so it's also kind
3: of like you removed the most important thing about Viper from her character. Because Hydra is owned by Marvel. <laughs>
2: There's also the scene right. with her and Harada in the alley, and it's sort of a weird use of her power. So she has like venom, and then anti-venom. So she can spit yeah. at Harada, and then she can, <laughs> and then she can spit the anti-venom at him to make sure that he doesn't have the scars. Because
4: she's sort of a walking plot device. It was really and kind a of figure that you know she she sort of allows them to sort of poison things and take poison away as they need right. it, and you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, I liked. I
4: like
3: the look of her character. I like the fact that the main villain was a woman. That was cool. And I also like that she was super different from Mariko and Yukio, maybe in a bad way, but we still did get another diverse depiction of a female character, which Wolverine did not have to do. This could have just been a testosterone fest like the first one. So I think that's,
2: I think, I think that's the pleasant surprise is that. Yeah. 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 And, and and the, the strange revelation that, July, 2013 is the month of cool Japanese female characters between this and Pacific Rim. Right. (laughs) Um, It's it's just really interesting. And because you don't, it's, we sadly don't expect that from comic book movies. Um, a lot of these, these female characters get really short shrift. And so, so I think I, so I do like the idea. It's just the, I think, I think it's the problem is we're living in a post Tom Hiddleston Loki world. Yeah. Um, and we've seen how good, a villain can be that a lot of these, uh, I think, I think Loki and I think, and I think uh, Ian McKellen's Magneto well, are the best yeah. villains we've seen.
4: Absolutely.
2: Um, in, in, in these modern. And Michael
4: Fassbender is young Magneto, by the way, That's the, you know, add that true. to yeah. it. Yeah. To make a great, I mean, the, these are great depictions of villains and um, you know, the, the best characters in this are not Viper. I mean, it's all the Japanese characters, which right. is, is great. I, I will admit to you guys, I got a little muddled in just the overall plot. There's so many different, things going on that I could not tell you. And and maybe you guys know, maybe this is just me not being able to follow it all, but I could not tell you why they had to bring Mariko to that hideout at the end, like for the boss battle. I didn't understand I understand why they had to drill into Wolverine, but why they just didn't do it like that first night or whatever? I I, I guess I, I got a little confused with some of the plot mechanics. Like while wh-
2: he's unconscious, you know, for, yeah, yeah, for many exactly. hours because they were able to like load him up into this, you know, into the stock. Why did the grandfather
4: thing. have to die? Like fake his death and be removed, only to be re- and go to this remote location, you know, and then and then them kind of gear everything towards getting them both back to that spot. I'm very confused by some of the mechanics in that. So, were they saving well, Mariko it's Japan. from the yakuza? Like that's what they do.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know the answers to. Those questions. So,
4: I, I, the only reason I bring that up is it didn't really bother me in the movie, but afterwards, it's just like the plot. There were some places where the plot mechanics were so quick. It's like, well, the yakuza are being ki- are trying to kidnap Mariko because they're in line with the guy she's supposed to marry, who was hired by the father, who doesn't know that the grandfather isn't really dead, and it just sort of makes your head spin um in some of that but i think that the through line through all this is just logan as the sort of outsider in this culture you know trying to figure out and find his own way through this and 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 that remains constant and yeah. and the relationship between logan and mariko and yukio uh remains constant so that all kind of works um it just yeah there, there's some stuff where i'd have to watch it again probably to understand some of the mechanics and i'm sure more eagle-eyed viewers will pick up on this stuff i just you know i felt kind of like dumb afterwards i think
2: those are are reasonable you know (laughs) criticisms um i i think for me what it comes down to is you know i guess i guess i'm coming down as i'm the grump about the third act um and but you know it's familiar but i'm able to but i think for some people that's going to i think that third act is such a shift that it's going to yeah. taint the movie for a lot of people. For me though, I just was like, I'm just going to skip that chapter when I'm watching it, you know, at home. Right. And because I love the rest of the movie, I thought it was so strong. And I, I really do think it edges out Iron Man three for me as the best comic book movie of, of the year so far. Yeah, me too. Um, I do. Mm, I, have, I have, I have high hopes for, for Thor though.
4: I liked Iron Man three more than you guys did. And so this one's tough for me because those first two acts, I mean, the character work is really solid. Right. And, you know, and so but I really liked Iron Man three. I don't know. They're probably very similar in my mind right now in terms of just
1: my thing with
2: Iron Man three for me is that I can't isolate just one act as the problem. Mm, okay. I see like it's it's a little bit more pervasive through the whole thing there's there's stuff that I love about Iron Man 3 and I mean yeah. I, I gave it a three which means I liked it um I just I just wasn't head over heels for it
3: it's all like gut reaction thing like I like I the credits started on Iron Man 3 and I was just like huh okay yeah. <laughs> Whereas this I was like fist pump oh yeah because I mean that <laughs> the ending of the post
2: credit scene let's talk about that it's a good it's, I think it's a good place to close off because it's is it, they've been watching some of those other Marvel movies. Um, yeah, this is this is their answer to the uh, to the Nick Fury stuff, um, to the Avengers Initiative um, post credit sequences in in all the Marvel Studios movies, where they're now tying this to um, Days of Future Past.
3: And this was all shot not too long ago. Like they'd wrap the movie, and I like that they say. Two, 2 years, years later. later. 2
2: years later. But it was right. kind of
3: like James Mangold still gets his definitive film. He didn't set up Days of Future Past. at All there's still 2 years after his ending. So right. you can assume that Yukio and Wolverine were out adventuring for 2 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this post-credit scene that directly ties into Days of Future Past, which I'm now more excited about than ever.
2: I think I think a lot of that post-credit sequence is it's really just about star power. It's it's cool to see Magneto and it's cool to see Xavier with those actors all in one place for the um, first time it, in like seven years there or it, there is yeah. a thing though where it, it feels like someone like took a piece of paper and, and wrote on someone's back like that that scene in like right. 10 minutes yeah because it's just about there's something coming and you need to be there and yeah. and it's so it's get all that, leading that up to trash
4: that. commercial you do get the trash real. commercial right
2: so it's yeah. so uh, like all the stuff that's there. important
4: yeah yeah. But th- but that Trask commercial that is really for fans. I mean, no one outside of that if if, if you know as you posited, you know, uh, uh Paul, if somebody could go into this movie never having seen anything before and they could really enjoy this movie. But that la- final scene really depends upon, you know, knowledge of this stuff. And 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 the Trask thing you have to have knowledge of the comics. But, but you know, Magneto and Professor X, first of all, Professor X being alive again, and then Magneto and Professor X working together, it's kind of big, ooh, what's that all about? And it does, it does exactly what it's supposed to be. It's this sort of yeah. coda of like, you know, Are they oh my really? gosh, what thing could happen that's so bad that these two could be there together?
2: Right. Are they going to explain how he's back?
4: Presumably in Days of Future Past, they better. Well,
2: guys, <laughs> they did at the end
3: of the, the end credit scene of X-Men, The Last Stand, which Do is they? just... Well, during the I course of X-Men The Last Stand, they mentioned that Moira McTaggart is on Muir Island with some like comatose patient. And then the post-credits scene, uh, she's at Muir Island, and then from the viewpoint of like eyes opening up, you hear you hear Patrick Stewart say, Moira? Or something like that. What? Okay. So, I, don't I, don't,
2: I don't remember I don't. I'm
4: not sure I ever exactly. saw that post credit sequence. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, also, if you want to talk about the X-Men Origins Wolverine post-credits sequence, which was him in Japan, at a... There's like are you drinking to forget? And he goes, no, I'm drinking to remember, <laughs> which I guess might've been like the eighties and the timeline of whatever. <laughs> but I'm glad that this movie did not just pick up on that. Thank God.
2: Yeah. I just, I, I think it, I think it takes all that it needs from the previous stuff, but then does its own thing pretty well for a, for a good chunk of time. And I'm yeah. just, I just, my experience just, just going through this movie was just like, Wait a minute, I'm enjoying this. What's going? Wait a minute. this is good. <laughs> like I like this what what's happening? And then only just you know for like you know fifteen minutes was I just like, uh. Eh. But then it comes back and then they get on the plane. And I'm like, "Ah, it's cool. I'm, I'm with this. Yeah. So I um, love that
3: Mariko. I love that there's no like love story resolution. Like They kiss. They acknowledge they have feelings for each other. But Mariko's like, I got a business to run. Shades on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. I'm just imagining her and Pepper Potts like doing a business call and like getting shit done. I would that's love where that. they probably would work together.
4: Oh, he's if, so good! If you're if you're a fan like me, and I know Paul is not, but if you're a fan like me of Big Trouble in Little China, I feel like this was the sort of Jack Burton riding off on in his semi at the end was similar <laughs> to you know Logan getting into the uh, into the truck, and I think ultimately for me that's what this felt more like. Is this is a good service of the character in that it. It doesn't bother with too much of the continuity elements it just sort of tries to focus on what makes Wolverine Logan an interesting character it It finds him in an interesting place and 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 starts him at you know as this man who isn't sure what he wants to live for and kind of brings him to a little bit of a conclusion there and you know a, a, over the course of it we get a character that feels to me more like this sort of lone man western action hero uh you know who's just searching for something and and finds some little bit of Maybe not peace, but maybe understanding. And so to me, you know, whatever happens in the third act, they still were they still allowed you to get that arc in the character. And that was great. I mean, that's that's kind of what you want in a movie like this.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, So I think I think in conclusion, I think uh, we all had a good bit of fun with this movie, I think, found a richer film than we were maybe expecting. Uh, given oh, yeah. What's come before. And, uh, you know, it's an imperfect film, but I think there's a lot going for it. And um, I'm looking forward to, to checking it out again. I don't know if I'll see it in the theaters, but I'll I'll definitely be picking it up on video to to watch that again for that uh, for that bullet train sequence. So. Um, all right. And I also have a written review over on iFanboy.com. So you can check that out. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have another special edition on the DC animated film Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. So check that out from the Animation Brain Trust Um, in just a few days actually so um, until then uh, we'll be seeing you